Our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. I invite you to turn now there with me in your own text. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer to them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. God, open our hearts and minds in this time to be receptive of your word, that we might encounter you anew and understand greater the depths of your love. May the words of my mouth be your words, and may the meditations of all of our hearts on your words be good and pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So I was thinking after last week and being with you all, and, and it's something that I think about often, having grown up in the church, been a part of the church all my life, even reluctantly at some times. Why do you come to church? It's a question that I think people ask themselves often, particularly on Sunday mornings whenever it's hard to get out of bed, but why do you come to church? What is the reason even for coming to this particular church? And I ask this question not in any way trying to say don't come to church or trying to get you to question your decisions this morning, but more so because I'm curious to understand why some people come to church and maybe some others don't. Or more pointedly, I'm curious as to see why the church welcomes some people and maybe not others. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some reasons why people come to church in the first place. And there are many, many research studies that have, been take, that have taken place over the years to try to figure this out. And in my own research, I've come up with four reasons why people initially come to church. And we can parse this out as far as you would want and you know, come up with as many uh, reasons as you would like. But four for my purposes today. And these are in order of least prominent to most. So the first thing, and the, one of the last reasons people actually come to church, is the pastor. I don't take that personally, I understand. You know, the pastor isn't actually the church, believe it or not. 
the pastor isn't actually the, uh, the body of Christ. A part, yes, but you know, I stand up here before you once again. I told you last week I'm an imperfect person. If you're going to come to church to hear a preacher, I guarantee you there are many more people who are far more easy to listen to and more qualified than I for you to listen to. The pastor isn't really all that common, nor his or, his or her theology or doctrine or anything along those lines. The second reason that people come to church is convenience. People want to go to church, maybe they want to check something out, and that particular church just happens to be close enough that they don't have to get on Airport Boulevard to get to it, or whatever may be your reason for uh, finding convenience in that church. And that applies very well. It makes sense to be efficient in how you get to where you're going. Convenience plays a big part, but not as big as things like, and this is a growing category, what the church offers. What the church offers really makes a difference, particularly in young families. Now, we just heard just a few moments ago about how, uh, how our children's ministry is in need of volunteers and help, and that's, that's often the case in many churches. And the reason why we emphasize it so much is because of the children and their value, but also because whenever younger families are coming and exploring churches, they like to see what the church has to offer for their children, for their youth, and then people just like to see what the church has to offer in ways of places for them to get plugged into. It matters for, for us to have opportunities for people to feel like they're a part of something. But what I find is the largest reason why people come to churches, and I promise this will stop sounding like a lecture in a little bit, is, is that is it, take, it has to do with the people in the church whether that be friends, family, or people who invited them. We cannot overlook the impact that an invitation has on any one person. It actually ends up uh, being more convincing to a person to come to church if a person invites them rather than them just Google searching churches in my area and seeing which one has the nicest website. But in the same vein, family plays an important role. There are some churches that are uh, what we call uh, multi-generational churches, where you have three, four generations, all uh, members of a church. And, and you know that's exciting. But also sometimes there's a little bit of an obligation there. I know whenever I was growing up in the church, one of my least favorite things was going to church. But my parents made me go. And I think that's why I resented it. But I did not enjoy it at the time. But that's the reason why I was in church, was because my family made me. So considering these four reasons why people initially come to church, what's becoming more interesting is why people stay. Because people can come all they want, but it doesn't really make a difference except for that one Sunday you may have a boost in attendance. It doesn't make a difference unless the people stay, if the people keep coming back. And so reasons why they stay boil down to two, and we could really even consolidate that to one reason. Now the first is relationships. LifeWay did a study not long ago uh, exploring the reasons why people stay in churches. And, and what they found in LifeWay's research, they, were, they found that if a person could name three other people in that church with whom they had a relationship with or whom had invested in them, then they would be three times more likely to continue coming back to that church. Relationships matter. Whenever we have that whole time, both before and after church, and, we're, and, and even as we had a few moments ago, and we're greeting one another, that is, that's some of my favorite parts of church, because that's the points where we get to develop relationships and be able to see one another and say, I am so glad that you are here this morning, because it matters. 
The second thing, which can really tie into all of this, is a word known as belongingness. Belongingness. In other words, having a place to belong. That's what people are looking for in all aspects of their life. It's the reason why we even um, start families to begin with. It's the reason why we have friends and social groups. It's the reason why we participate in social organizations or join sports teams. It's the reason why people go out on a, on a Saturday morning or whatever and tailgate for, for this, uh, really, this, a, a team that doesn't do anything for them, but they go out and support a sports team like Auburn or Alabama. I'm not going to tell you which one I am for fear of being cast out. But it's this reason, it's, this, it's the same reason ties all of these things together. The things that you see people attending most frequently, the things where you see mass numbers of people coming together, it's because they feel like they belong there. It's because they feel like they have a place where they are. And that's exactly how I found myself in the church long term, doing ministry, going from a child at about, I mean, between ages eight and 12, I abhorred going to church. I, I disliked every part of it. It was boring. You know, some, some random person stood up there and talked for half of the time, and I didn't understand half of what that person was saying. And then we sang some songs, and that was kind of fun. But it was so boring. I, I'm, you know, maybe that was just the church I was in at the time. But during all of that, all of this season that I just didn't want to be in the church and would rather have been home watching cartoons, my family kept persisting, come to church, come to church. Let's just, some, some mornings it was, you're going to church. And eventually that got me to a place where I started getting to know other people. I started getting plugged in. And that wasn't something I was really ready for, but I started to make friends. People started to reach out. And this was a huge deal for me. My family really knows this because I have a hard time making connections. I have a hard time making friends. And that's, oh, I'm, I'm leaving the pulpit. I'm a wandering preacher. I'm sorry, friends. That's one of the, one of the things that, uh, that I've always struggled with growing up is my uh, inability to get close with people. And it's not because I'm shy. I'm actually pretty extroverted on the scale, believe it or not. Um, I, I love talking with people and getting to know people, but I have this insecurity that often boils up with inside me that I feel like I'm always a burden to people, and I feel like I'm always uh, getting in people's way or that people might not want me around. And I love being with people. I love extroverting and spending time with people, but I had this insecurity that developed. And then at church one evening, a person my age, actually I came to find out he was only two days older than me, reached out to me and said, hey, can I have your phone number? I want to get in touch with you some other time. And I was blown away because somebody in the church wanted me around. And so I kept going because he told me to keep coming. And as I kept coming, I kept meeting other people who kept saying, yeah, we want you around. We want to get to know you. We want to be friends with you. And that is the true experience I had of the church here on earth. I mean, I have never experienced the church more fully as it should be than when people have been welcoming, whenever people have been saying, you have a place here, whenever people have been saying, we want you to be here, whenever people have been saying, you belong here. It's how I come, it's how I came into ministry to begin with, because I wanted to be a presence 
a, a, an entity that could continue saying to other people, you belong here, you have a space here. And so belongingness plays such a huge role, particularly in today's day and age, in, in, in how we do church. See, belongingness, and this is a definition that I've gathered from a couple of different dictionaries, boils down to this. Belongingness is the human emotional need to be an accepted member of a group, whether it's family, friends, co-workers, a religion, or something else. People tend to have an inherent desire to belong to and be an important part of something greater than themselves. And this is, this is from years and years of psychological and sociological research that this definition is assembled, that people have an inherent desire to be a part of something larger than themselves. And oftentimes people find that in the church. And I have found that's one of the greatest places to find that, to find belongingness here. But it, it, it has to be something that the people of the church do. It has to be something that the people say, we welcome you here. And so what I want you to do, I'm a, I'm, I like to be interactive at times. I'm not going to do like last week and go around and ask people questions and, you know, get all up in your business. But this week I'm going to do something a little more interactive. I want you to get out a sheet of paper, whether it be your bulletin or those little slips of paper that are in front of you in the pews, and, and a pen, okay? And there should, I think there are pens in front of everybody there. And so paper and a pen, and I'm not forcing you to do this. I would like for you to do this. And what I want you to do is to write this down. Where do you feel like you belong and why? Maybe it's the church and that's great. Write down that why. Maybe it's, you know, whenever you're out like fishing with friends or maybe it's whenever you're uh, having dinner with the family or whatever it may be. Whatever, wherever in your life you feel most comfortable and content and like you have a space there, I want you to write it down and write also why. And the reason why I want you to do this, and you can keep writing as I'm talking, is because we have the opportunity to continue to develop the ministry and life of this church into a place where all people belong. But it has to start from within. It has to start with us recognizing what makes a place, a place where we belong. And so that's the reason why I'm asking you to do this, is so we can start brainstorming ideas of what it looks like to make a space where all people belong by examining other places where we feel like we belong and then taking those ideas and developing them onward. And I bring this up because of Jesus' words in Matthew, our, our scripture lesson today. You see, Jesus brings up six groups of people in our text, which in his day represented the least in society, represented those who have nowhere to belong. And he goes along this line, the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned. And the question that Jesus is almost beckoning us to answer is where do the people who, who are not welcomed anywhere else have to go? Where do those people go? And then Jesus describes the role of the church for those people, for the least, the lost, the lonely, the unloved. Jesus tells us 
Be the people who welcome the least of these, for when you welcome the least of these, you welcome me also. And he starts out with the hungry. And I think in each of these categories, he means both literally and maybe even figuratively. So for the hungry, the literally hungry, we have an awesome food pantry that every Wednesday morning serves a vast amount of people in our community. It's just beautiful. But also maybe the spiritually hungry, those who are desiring more, those who want more in life. The thirsty, literally those who are thirsty who don't have clean water to drink, and those who are thirsting after God. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. The stranger, literally the stranger, the person whom we don't know, the person who seems unsafe, the person who wasn't born here. I found that Mobile is an interesting culture that you're either a native or you're not. And that's been been pretty fascinating to get to know. But the stranger, both literally and those who just aren't part of our in-group, those who don't look like us or act like us or, or, or make the same amount of money as us or whatever that may be. Then the naked, literally, we have uh, clothing drives that tend to this ministry because they're, uh, you wouldn't think it walking into a mall, but there actually is a shortage of clothing for many people in the world, but also those who may be vulnerable and exposed. Then the sick, those who are literally sick, and those who are simply in need of our support. And the imprisoned, those who are literally imprisoned, there's a beautiful ministry called Kairos Ministry that church members go and visit with those who are in prison and, and, and show them that they are still loved people, but also those who are trapped or restrained due to their circumstances, whatever that might be. See, Jesus calls out the church in Matthew 25. And, and you know, he's speaking it in his present day. He's saying, this is what matters. He says, at the end of all of this, at, at the end of all of this life, this is, this is what matters. Those who are there for the least of these. Matthew chapter 9 talks about this a little further. Uh, chapter 9, verses 10 through 13 says, And as Jesus sat at dinner in the house, this is Matthew, that he's sitting in the house with, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, Jesus, heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. See, Jesus, in every moment of his ministry, gave those who were unwelcomed by society a place to belong. And he, t- and he gives these words to the Pharisees, those who were kind of the uh, architects of society of the day. He gives these words to them. Mercy and compassion are more important than any other thing the church can do. Mercy and compassion. Jesus is setting up for us two millennia ago that the church is to be a place for all, a place that does not exclude because Christ never once excluded. The church in its, in its formation was the original e pluribus unum, Maybe you recognize that phrase. You might have seen it on the back of a quarter or something like that. 
It's this Latin expression, which has become the uh, motto of the United States, that means out of many, one, or one from many. And now I'm not comparing the church here to the United States of America, no. I am saying that the church, in its formation over 2,000 years ago, believe it or not, 10 times as long as the United States have been around, was the original e pluribus unum. Out of many came one. Out of many groups and cultures and people of different mindsets came one church. But it began with the church saying, you are welcomed here. I love this quote from Pope Francis, and I know we're not Catholic, we're pretty close. I don't, if you don't know this, the United Methodist Church never went through the Protestant Reformation proper, so we're pretty close to Catholic. But Pope Francis gave, uh, gave this quote in a speech. He says, I'm not going to read the Latin. He says, I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting, and dirty because it has been out on the streets rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own unhealthy, uh, excuse me, and it, confined and from clinging to its own unhealthy securities. More than by fear of going astray, my hope is that we will be moved by the fear of remaining shut up within these structures which, we, which give us a false sense of security, within rules which make us harsh judges, within, hab within habits which make us feel safe, while at our door people are starving and Jesus does not tire of saying to us, give them something to eat. In other words, churches without the broken are broken churches. Jesus says, I, I'm not here for the righteous. They've got it. They've got it. Great. I'm not here for the righteous. I'm here for the sinners, for the broken. And so I believe in this time we are called to rethink church. To rethink church from a Sunday obligation to an everyday outreach. To rethink church from a building to a people. To rethink church from a place where we have friendly hospitality to a place where we have radical hospitality. And that's an important distinction. It's easy enough to, to, to walk over to somebody and say, how, hey, how are you? It's good to see you this morning and all that stuff because you know, that's what everybody does on a daily basis. But radical hospitality that says, come on in, we have a place for you to belong. It's time for us to rethink church from a place where we go to a place where we all belong. That is the call of the church. And, and last week, uh, last week I, I stood right here, I think, somewhere right in here, and I, I, ma I made a motion for our church to become a place, to become a community which prioritizes and passionately, passionately pursues love over anything else. And today I'm going to give us a little more concrete way that we can start being a church of love. I don't know what that was. I want us to consider what being a church of love really looks like. And so, like I said last week, I, like, I enjoy leaving you all with a question for us all to think about. And my question for us this week is, what does it mean for us to be a place where we all belong?
What does it mean for us to be a community where all are welcomed here and all people can find a place of belongingness here? So take this question with you into this week. And in the coming weeks, we will begin to piece all of this together, including those things you wrote down on. I didn't forget that. I didn't just uh, want you to do this trivial activity. I want you to keep that and think on it because that's what the church is called to be. Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church is called to be a place where we all belong. And so let us become that as we move forward. And let us pray together. Holy God, we are in constant need of your guidance. We are desperate to understand your will for us. We desire to understand what it means for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we pursue these answers, may we be in pursuit of love and with love and for love to become a place, a community where we all belong. God, in this time, we lift up to you our brothers and sisters across the globe, as well as those right next door to us who are in grave need. Particularly, we lift up to you our brothers and sisters in Louisiana and Mississippi as they continue to endure the deluge of Tropical Storm Barry. And we pray for the rescue efforts and the recovery efforts. We pray for those people who may have lost everything. And we pray for those who are already in preparation to sweep in and begin making a difference in those communities. May we not forget whenever your children have to go through such hardship. May we be a church, a community that reaches out in those times to be for those people. As we go forward from here, continue to teach us what it means to be a place for all people to belong and to be a people who welcome all. We pray these things in your perfect and holy name as we pray together also that prayer which you taught your disciples to pray as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.